Psalm 119, verses 81 to 88. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness, that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Even as I read that, you can probably tell that the psalmist here still finds himself under affliction. The last two weeks, as we've been in Psalm 119 building up to this, he's been in this affliction. But as it gets to this point, the affliction is starting to drag on. In fact, verse 81 starts this way, My soul faints for your salvation. The idea there of of faints, it's the idea of wasting away. The affliction that the psalmist is facing, it's beginning to wear him down. He has cried for mercy, and yet the Lord has caused this affliction or this pain. He's caused it to linger. The psalmist is wearing down. So he cries out, my soul faints for your salvation. He longs for relief. For the Lord to hear and to respond to the cry of his heart. You notice the end of that verse. But I hope in your word. Despite the fact that he is wasting away, that this, this affliction is lingering, that he is beginning to get worn down, yet I hope in your word, the psalmist has not given up or lost hope. He knows that the Lord and his word is his hope. So he digs in all the deeper. I hope in your word. In fact, verse 82, really, he's expanding upon that idea of his fainting soul here. It's a very honest assessment of his own heart. My eyes fail from searching your words, saying, When will you comfort me? I have become like a wineskin in smoke. My eyes fail from searching your word. Exhausted, growing tired, unable to focus. This is part of this breaking down that is going on. And he's crying out, When will you comfort me? He's not lost hope, but he's beginning to lose patience. When will you comfort me, Lord? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke. The idea there is of a wineskin, think of like a leather uh, bottle. And what does leather do when it sits around unused? It, especially in something like smoke that draws out all the moisture. It, it is left to be dried up. It, is, uh, it stiffens. It cracks. It becomes unusable. 
That is the psalmist very vividly. He feels useless. He feels forgotten. This is dragging on and on and on. And yet it's important for us to remember with the psalmist that God's timeline is not our timeline. The psalmist doesn't understand here what is taking so long. His flesh is failing. Yet his hope remains. In fact, you see that even in the end of verse 83. I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. Pay attention to those two words there. Verse 81, the word but, and here in verse 83, the word yet. He brings his complaint to the Lord, and yet both times he affirms that he has not lost hope. My soul faints, or here I have become like a wineskin, yet... I do not forget your statutes. I remember what you have said, what you have commanded. I cling to those promises. The psalmist here is running to the right place. Where do you go when you don't understand the circumstances of life? Where do you go when you feel overwhelmed? When things don't make sense, or when life hurts, where do you go? I pray that like the psalmist, you will run to the word of God. Because even though his soul faints, his hope is not fainting. Run to the one who will not let you go. That's an important thing for us to see here. That regardless of how the psalmist feels, he clings to what he knows to be true. This is who you are, God. This is what you have said. I will hold tightly to that. I don't feel like you see me. I feel like you've forgotten me. I feel like an old wineskin that is cracked and stiff and falling apart. And yet this is what I know. That in your word you have given me promises. I know that you will keep me. I know that you have not forgotten me. I know that you will complete in me what you have begun. So regardless of how I feel, I do not forget your statutes. And yet these feelings are very real. It's not just something you can just up and... Remind yourself that you're okay, God, God is good. Okay, I feel all better. That's not what the psalmist finds. He reminds himself of these truths, and yet he keeps coming back to this. What are you doing, God? Verse 84, how many are the days of your servant? The idea there is, how long is this going to continue? Going back even to verse 82, when will you comfort me? Where are you, God? One commentator, Daniel Estes, in this section, he notes this. The psalmist lives in the trough between God's promise and the fulfillment of his promise. I thought that was a pretty powerful quote because a lot of life is that way, is it not? We live right there between what God has promised, what we know to be true, 
and the fulfillment of that promise. And we find ourselves right in the middle of that. In fact, part of living there, is that not what we're doing when we come together as a church in communion? Right? We're looking back to the cross. We're looking to what God has done, the promises that he's given us. We're also looking forward to eternity. And yet we find ourselves right in the middle there. We're looking both ways and we find comfort and hope. It's important to pause and to look both ways and to remember that hope. Because we do find ourselves in the middle. It's where the psalmist finds himself here. He knows what God has said. He knows what he will do. But he finds himself right in the middle of that. So how long will this go on, Lord? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? When will you bring the salvation for which my soul craves and my body needs? Verse 85, he goes to describe some of the men who are against him. The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. They pay no attention to the Lord or to his word. They have no place for him. In fact, in their pride, they make their own rules. They do what they want. They are a law to themselves. I couldn't help reading that and thinking of playing with my youngest son, Theodore. He has a a vivid imagination. and You'll play with him. And and, um, the other day, I, I can't remember what it was, but I was doing something. We were playing a game where there was rules. And I said, Ted, you can't do that. And he goes, no, I can. <laughs> no, Ted, that's, that's not the rules. And he would not accept it. He just, no, I, I can do that. He's making up his own rules to the game. He's a child. He knows no better. It's like these wicked men. They have no concept of God's law. They are not willing to recognize it. They do what they want, not knowing their end. And yet contrasted with that is the psalmist in verse 86. All your commandments are faithful. Contrasted with the prideful rebellion of these wicked men who do things not according to the law, who have no, um, who, who lack a high view of the law, no love for God or his word. Here stands the psalmist who loves the Lord, who loves his word, who confesses here, it is good and faithful. So they persecute me wrongfully. This time he is innocent. Where he noted back in verse 67 that earlier the psalmist was in affliction because of his own sin. And yet now he stands innocent and yet he's still in affliction. And that's difficult. Because if I'm honest, it's a lot easier to go through affliction when I know it's my fault and I know that I deserve this, this is, I, I see how God is good in doing this. It hurts, but yes, I was wrong, Lord. You're right. Give me what I deserve. It's a lot more difficult when my heart is questioning whether this is just, right? When there's no reason that I can see that God should be doing this. And yet the testimony that we see from Scripture over and over and over again is that both corrective and instructive affliction are good in God's purpose. All affliction 
is serving the purposes of the Lord. Whether it is corrective, you've done wrong, you need to be judged, there's consequences for what you've done, or whether it is instructive. Let me teach you something through this. Let me help you to grow through this. So the psalmist just cries out in the end of verse 86, help me. That is really the cry of this entire portion of Psalm 119 from verses 81 to 88. It's really just a cry, help me, Lord. This is how I feel. This is who you are. I can't reconcile it. Help me, Lord. I find it interesting, too, that we so often view cries of help as a weakness. Not in others, but in ourselves, do we not? It's hard to ask people for help. It seems like a weakness. And yet here in Psalm 119, this is not a sign of weakness. This is a sign of faith. The psalmist isn't crying out to God because he's just so weak he can't handle this. He's crying out to God because he knows that God is the one who can help him. It makes sense. This is the logical thing to do, the right thing to do. Crying out for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of faith. It's a sign of growth, a sign of maturity. Verse 87, it's gotten pretty bad. They almost made an end of me on the earth. They almost ended my life. They almost killed me. All right, so this is going beyond something where, where people are just talking bad about me behind my back. These are people who are physically trying to kill me. But I did not forsake your precepts. Pushed to the breaking point, the very possible end of life itself, the psalmist has been found faithful. So verse 88, revive me according to your loving kindness. Revive me. Give me life, give me strength. Let your mercy revive me. I am dry and I am useless and I am cracked and I am tired and I am hanging on by a thread. I've come to the very possible end of my life. Revive me, Lord. Give me strength to be faithful. Give me faith to endure. Give me peace in the conflict. And note this, verse 88, show me mercy. Revive me according to your loving kindness. Why? So that I can catch my breath, so that I can get rest? No. Revive me according to your loving kindness that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Show me mercy so that I can be faithful. It's not just the right request. He's not just running to the right place, but he has the right heart behind this cry. For the glory of God. His mindset is focused on the right place. I, 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 I need you, Lord. I need your strength so that I can be faithful to you, so I can keep the testimony of your mouth. So know that whatever you are going through, whether it is affliction because of your sin, 
whether it is just affliction. God is doing something. It is good in his purpose. You must surrender your timeline to the Lord's timeline. Know that he is in control. And by all means, cry out to him. Don't run somewhere else. Run to the Lord. Run to his word and cry out to him. Pour out your heart before him. In fact, I would encourage you, come to a psalm like this, these verses here in Psalm 119, and let these shape your prayer. Use the psalmist's words to cry back to God. Because these words give you a guide not only to cry out to God, but they also lead you to hope. They remind you of truth. So just like the psalmist, know this, that regardless of how you feel, the Lord is good and the truth is the truth. So cling to him and his word and know that he will be found good and it will work out for your good. Let the cry of your heart be, revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. With that said, we're going to take some prayer requests this evening. I was trying to get through that fairly quickly because I don't want to keep you guys too long. I don't know how bad it's going to get out there. Um,